welcome to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome to the Built on Air podcast. We are starting our new season, season 12, episode one. It's good to be back with you. We had an enjoyable month off. Hopefully everybody enjoyed their last summer month and ready for the fall. And we are excited to be with you for another season. 12 more episodes before the end of the year. And we've got myself, Dan Fellers, and Ali Alosa, our regular host with us. Camille couldn't make it today. So we've got Scott Rose with us, a regular. Good to see you, Scott. Good to see you guys. Thank you. Always glad to have Scott on. He's been with us, I think, the most uh, as a guest uh, appearance. So we're always glad to have Scott. Did you call the Guinness Book of World Records on that one yet? That's right. That's right. (laughs) I'm just kidding. If you uh, don't know Scott's name, then you have not spent much time in the community. He is everywhere. So always glad to have you chime in. Thanks. Okay, so we'll go through a run through of what we're going to be talking about today. As always, it's roughly an hour long. We'll go through a couple different segments. We always start off with our... um, Oops. With our around the bases, talking about what's going on in the Airtable community. And then we'll do a spotlight on Ontoair, our primary sponsor. Then Scott will walk us through a couple segments, first focusing on formulas and implementing progress bars, then showing how to build a base and a form uh, similar to Calend- Calendly for reservations. And then another quick shout out to our community at Built on Air. And then finally, Ali's going to walk us through an automate create segment on linking synced tables. So with that, we're going to do our round the bases. And there's a lot that happened in the month that we were off. Airtable was busy making some uh, releases. And so hopefully we'll catch all. I've got six different features that Airtable released over the month of August or since our last uh, episode. So hopefully I captured everything. If I forget one, let me know either the two of you or in the segments. So first, uh, they released this in early August, the ability to search for field names in grid view. What do you guys think of that? Exciting. This is like my favorite. 
I'm sorry, Ali. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off either. <laughs> I was just saying it's a small thing, but it's super powerful and it's been sorely missed for a long time. So I'm glad that they finally implemented that. Yeah, totally agree. This is huge. This is one of the hardest things has always been to find that field on the screen. And uh, this makes it so easy. This is perfect. Yep. Yep. So you basically can search. I wish you could like say, I only want to search fields. I wish that it would do that. But the cool thing is it, it does move your cursor over to where that field is. So that's kind of cool. That's really, really nice. Like usually what I'll do is I'll create a new view. I'll hide all the fields and then just unhide the one that I'm looking for. But this is particularly useful for like when you actually have a view that people are using and you want to not, you want to see it in context with everything else. Mm -hmm. helpful. Yeah. One thing you could do. Yeah. You could create a view that filters out all the records and just has the fields. And then that's, I guess how you could create like a view for searching fields. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. You know, there's also a very subtle thing here that they added also where it's not just searching for field. I mean, it is searching for field names, but the other cool thing is that if you're searching for data itself, it now doesn't just show you the number of times that the word will appear, but it shows you the number of records. Mm -hmm. So like, let's say you're searching for the word, you know, cat, and it says that cat has appeared 17 times in your table. But all those only are just two records. It'll say 17 times two records. So you know that you actually don't have 17 different records that have the word cat in it. It's actually somebody typed up the word a lot in mm -hmm. like one or two records, which is yeah. so helpful. Yeah. Yeah, it was before like it would just tell you the number of times and that could have all been on one record. So it's kind of frustrating. So mm -hmm. that's definitely an improvement. Absolutely. So this one, I think for the most part, gets a thumbs up from everybody. I thought we'd start off with the positive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll actually, we'll do some more positives, some, somewhat positive. So the other one um, came out also mid-August, new button types in Interface Designer. Anybody want to walk through what they added here? Yeah. They, they added the ability to run an automation, which... Is, I mean, I can get into the specifics of each one afterwards, I guess. Um, you can also go to another interface page or an external URL. And the coolest one to me is that you can actually navigate to a URL that's within a record. Um, so that's super useful. So that actually will be able to like change the destination depending on the record that you're looking at or depending on that window in which you're actually viewing the data, um, which that's probably the, my favorite out of all of these. Um, I also like the copy link to record one. That's actually kind of, I've, I've never used it, and but it might come in handy. Yeah. Yeah. So I just like that they're, that they're adding, you know, they're, they're making interfaces more of an app like environment, um, and not just kind of viewing your, your data. So it's kind of cool. My the cons that I, I have to bring up are the, the buttons. You can only link to one automation. Um, so it's like one button, one automation. So if you have two different interfaces and you want to be able to trigger the same automation, no dice. I mean, unless you just use the workaround that I think, I think a lot of people have been using, including myself, where you can 
you know, set a single select field to something, and then that would trigger the automation. Yeah. So, but that doesn't require any of these new features to do. You were able to do that with the button before. But uh, let's see, other con, I want more colors. And I want to disable fe uh, features or functionality. So you can say, if it meets these conditions, don't let somebody click the button. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my only, my only real uh, complaint, it's just a minor complaint, is that um, I would love to see buttons in the interface and buttons in the grid view yes all be the same you know what i mean like it's like the, all the functionality combined mm -hmm. and i know that some things might not apply in different environments so those choices should just be dimmed if it doesn't match but yeah i would sort of like to see sort of a convergence of features there was some other interface feature that was diverging from the grid view i'd love things to sort of be the same yeah mm -hmm. i don't know if i'm explaining that very well but yeah, yeah, it's confusing because you're like, create a button and you're like, okay, where, what kind of button? Now there's two different types of buttons. and mm -hmm. Yeah. I often will like do some like hacky stuff in the interface to be able to pull in the button from a record onto the page so that I'm not actually using the built-in buttons from interfaces. I'm actually using like, it, it's always to open a URL, right? But like. I have a navigation at the top with buttons, not these, not the interface buttons, but like the actual grid view buttons, oh, um, nice. which I like better because there's more like flexibility with, actually one of my colleagues came up with, um, we have a set of buttons that stays consistent across a set of interfaces, but the one that you're on is the white version of the button. And then when you're not on that page, it's the colored version. So it's really nice. It looks really slick. It like when you're clicking on the buttons, it's it's like you're actually you can see what page you're on. Um, I'll have to. I can put a screenshot of that in the community. Yeah, there. yeah, that'd be interesting. That's beautiful. That's a great idea. Cool. So yeah, so definitely useful. I think you know we'll just see over time. I, I you know interfaces. I think is going to be sort of their environment for for really building out on top of Airtable and and so I think we'll see more and more uh, improvements on that and we'll talk a little bit later about the uh, interface contest um, as well that that's been out there so we'll, that will come up all right next one uh, this one's a bit more recent um, time zones formatting. Scott, I know you were you brought something up interesting on that earlier. Yeah, well, in general, this is a huge, huge improvement because time zones have been a real pain point, I think, for people. And I actually created something in the Airtable universe a while ago. It's a sample uh, time zone base with a with an instructional video showing uh, how you can manage different time zones in your base. But this is such a great addition because this eliminates all the workarounds or at least many of the workarounds that we used to have to do because now you can actually specify a time zone for a date field a date and time field so they they have not rolled this out to just date fields that don't have times attached to them which might be confusing for people because the date fields on their own will uh under the hood, they'll be in GMT time zone. So that can cause some problems behind under the hood. So hopefully at some point they'll roll it out to date fields as well. 
But for now, this is a great addition to be able to explicitly choose a time zone for a time field. Um, however, you have to sign up for a beta for this. And um, I signed up, I got it into my base. And then this morning it disappeared. So I don't know. I actually posted at the bottom of this thread to see if there's something I need to do. Or I don't know if they pulled it back or I don't know. I wonder if there's a response yet. Uh, no. no. Yeah, interesting. <clears throat> yeah, so definitely, so sign up for the beta if you want access to this. Um, this does impact uh, API usage as well. I got notified about API, how this impacts your API if you're using that or scripting. Um, so this definitely could can mess things up if, if you're not aware of what's going on here. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and I have to review this, I think that when you use the API now, it will, unless you specify the time zone in your API call, it will now default to whatever your field's time zone is, Correct. I believe. I, could, I, I actually have to review the email they sent us. So in general, this should be, I mean, this is just such a phenomenal improvement across the yeah. board. Yeah. yeah. And Scott, I do have to say thank you so much for setting up that Airtable universe base oh, that you mentioned because I have used that as a reference point for a long time. Oh my God, that's so yeah. great to hear. Thanks, Allie. Of I'm course. so happy it's been helpful for you. It really has. Like, oh, that's so great. Thank you. It'll soon go obsolete. If they roll this out <laughs> to date fields, then nobody will ever need to use that again. <laughs> <laughs> so Oops. it's been great to have. Ah, thank you so much, Allie. Good stuff. Yeah. So this is good. I think, I think this is a, I mean, even, even with this time zones is still going to be a, a challenge. It's just always tough to deal with time zones and different time zones, but this definitely helps. The one, the one thing I wish that you could do is you have to configure this for every date field, right? Every date time field. I yeah. wish there was a way where like at the base level, you could say all my date times because if you don't do that, if you forget and one field isn't configured and all the others are, that's going to be tough. Yeah. Totally. Which, which also brings up a good point, which is they also added recently that new toggle where it shows you the time zone. It displays it in yes. the field itself. I think they released that maybe a month ago. That's true. And so that's that can actually help when, to let you know if that field has been configured properly or not. Yeah, that's true. That will help. Yeah. Very good. And maybe it will be in the manage field um, tab where you, maybe it will show that. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Kavan is saying it does show if found field names or field values, including how many records. I think that's on the, uh, the search feature. Mm -hmm. All right, moving on. Um, this was another quick tidbit. Uh, Airtable launched a new help center. So they moved all their support uh, library and articles over. I haven't spent a ton of time in here. What, what's your opinion, Scott? I assume have you spent time in the new help center? Yeah, I have. I, I don't know. I sort of have some mixed feelings. I think it's I think it's a step in the right direction, or I think it's a big step in the right direction because it shows like the table of contents on the left and then, and it shows like the different subcategories of the article you're looking at. And I think that that was more 
challenging in the past. I, I can't. I actually can't remember how it used to be in the past, but I like that they've got this this ongoing table of contents in the left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. So, anyways, I thought that was worth pointing out. Um, if you're if you're in the help center, then you're you're gonna get a new experience there. Um, all right, here's another little one. I know this one had mixed review, new shortcuts in the workspaces. So on the main page that lists all your workspaces, they now have these new menu items. Uh, opinions on those? I mean, I don't think they look terrible, but I do think the like new form feels misleading, but I think they're just trying to point out you can use Airtable for forms, but for some reason, it, I can't really quite put my finger on why it, I think it's misleading, but I just feel yeah. like it's like taking away from the database as aspect of it, I guess. But maybe that's what they want. I don't know. What do you think, Scott? I have not actually seen this on my workspaces yet. Really? So, yeah. And even after clearing my cache and everything. Huh. So I don't have firsthand experience with this, but hearing what other people have said about this, this would be a big thumbs down for me yeah. um, because it's doing things like apparent. I, I actually don't know since I haven't played with it, but apparently if you click on new form, does it, does it actually create a new base? Yes. For that form? Yes. Like, I think it's very misleading and it's also things that people are not doing regularly. Like once you actually set up your forms, like I, I don't actually know what they're going for here. Um, yeah. I think it's very. When would you? You're not going to set up a form before you create your fields, right? Like the form comes after the schema definition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. Jen, I see, is giving some good comments about it. She goes, "It trains yeah. casual users that they should make a base on a whim, right? It creates a whole new base with the form. Like it doesn't make sense. Like bases you create once, and then you work on the data and the structure after that." Yeah. You don't want to have users continually creating new bases for different things. Yeah. I don't know. I think this is a misstep, to be honest with you. Yeah. I totally agree. And thank Jen. Jen, I think, hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what I was trying to articulate and could not. <laughs> That's like. It, I think it, if on the pop up, if you click new form, it says new form in existing base and had like an option to create new base, you know, as a button, but you select which base you want to create a new form. Oh, I see. I think that would be a better hybrid solution. Oh, you're suggesting that, or you're saying it does do that, or you're suggesting no, it doesn't. Oh, okay. I'm saying yeah. it should do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jen says it's a database, not a Google Sheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. It's. I think it's really breaking the concept of what people are using Airtable for. I think it's training them on bad practices as opposed to good practices. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, very good. All right, so that one's kind of uh, mixed. I think, you know, there, there, uh, there's a whole team dedicated to making the product simpler and easier to engage with. And so from their perspective, like I see value in this, but for anybody that's created more than a base, it's probably a nuisance. <clears throat> so anyways, next one. Our favorite, 
custom record terminology. So they added the ability when you go to, if you click on the tasked where you can, or the, the table where you can rename the table, it now gives you an option to specify what you call a record in that table. So you can create your own label, but you're only limited to the subset that they've defined for you. <laughs> Who wants to uh, go after this one? All right. No one was really asking for this. <laughs> I know of. <laughs> That's what I'll say. <laughs> Perfect. Well, the weird thing is right before our podcast today, I went, I logged on to dictionary.com. And the crazy thing is it turns out there's more than 40 nouns in the English language. Apparently. <laughs> As yes. of this morning. The, uh, no, this is ridiculous. Nobody was asking for this. It confuses people. And you know what else is crazy about this? Is that it makes guesses as to what your record should be called. I had a client the other day. They set up a new table called company requirements, right? And each, each record is a requirement. And this thing automatically chose the word company for them. So now mm -hmm. it says add a company, new company, number of companies. And they're like, what is going on here? This is a list of requirements, not a list of our companies. But it automatically chose the word company for them. So silly. Yeah. Yeah, this one, this one might need to maybe go back to the drawing board. This one needs to cook a little longer. <laughs> they also don't have proper plural. They choose person and persons, which yeah. I know is grammatically correct, but you don't go around talking about persons typically outside of legal environments. Yeah. Um, it's like, just make it custom for people. Choose a right. single, choose a plural, and that's it. The, yeah. So they have a whole team, apparently, that is now um, curating the list of nouns that they will accept in this list. Yeah. Like, I, I can't think of a bigger waste of resources than to have a curation team for these nouns. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm really down on this one. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I just, I just envisioned the, the planning meeting around this and nobody <laughs> pushed back on it. <laughs> I mean, and I could see, like, I'm sure, like, I think people mentioned, like, I, I, I imagine there is a big potential enterprise client that said, we'll sign up if you have this one feature. Mm. <laughs> and uh, that's like the only thing I could think of. And it's like, under that scenario, like, they need to make a way to make this, you know, only, you know, make it a beta where you at least have to opt into it, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, this is an interesting one. Yeah. yeah. Well, that kind of did it. Did I miss any features? I do want to talk. I thought I had a link to the interface designer. Um, but so we'll talk about that. Um, any other features that I missed that they released this month or recently? One thing, and Scott, you might have brought this up too. It was uh, in, in Slack somewhere, I, I believe. Um, I don't know that they actually released it or like put it on like the what's new or made a post about it, but there's now a new way to import data where you can email a CSV file to a specific email address that they give you and it'll populate that table with that data. Yep. So oh. that, that's kind of interesting. Oh, I see that, that one. Sure. That one, it's been around a couple months. We yeah. we talked about that one last season, but it's getting more traction. I think somebody brought it up. And I know it's not well known cuz cuz I've talked to people that hadn't heard about that, but definitely 
um, we're starting to use that in our consulting projects. So yeah, yeah if you need to get input data in, it has to be an attachment to an email, a CSV, or they support uh, Excel as well. But if it's an attachment and then it's, we'll sync it into the data. <clears throat> oh, that's like what, what Jen is saying in the comments right now, saying, I wish it was just raw data to record. I yeah. agree. I, yeah. I, I, I yearn for it. There was a time when you could, I don't remember what app it was, but you just like forward the email and it just logs it as like, a new record, you know, yeah. subject body, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. That I do that through Zapier um, mm -hmm. or, or make, but yeah, it'd be nice if that was direct. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yeah. Like Jen said, without needing glue. So <laughs> how do you trigger that? Do you go to the import options and it's one of the new options that they give you? Yeah. For email data or something. That's the other annoying thing is you can't do it to an existing table. You have to create a new table that it links, that it syncs to. So that's annoying because we already had a table that we then wanted to import, you know, sync from external. And so now we're going to have to create a whole nother table and then map that data into our live feed, you know, data source table. Um, so that part's annoying. That's a bummer. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, okay. Moving on. So yeah, we'll talk about, um, so interface design contest uh, ended uh, mid, mid, mid uh, August, uh, right? Or September, I think at the beginning, just last week. Okay. Oh, so is it still uh, live? It was, uh, they're still judging. They're, they're still judging. They were supposed to, uh, they said that they were going to announce the winners at late August, but then on August 31st at like 8 p.m., Jordan was like, we got so many submissions that we need more time to look through them all. So I, I respect that. So they said, I think by tomorrow, they're going to announce the winners, I believe. I could be getting okay. that date wrong. Okay. So tomorrow, those are coming out. So Ali, you, do you submit? I did. Okay. Scott, Allie, did you? I, I actually did not. My, my, I put my chips on Allie to win. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Dan, did you submit? I did not submit, no. Jen's saying by Friday. I could, by okay, Friday. Yeah, it might be by the 9th. Okay. Are there odds? Yeah. Are, there any, are there any bookies taking odds on who they think is going to win? So we can... <laughs> well, I'll bring up one. We'll, we'll go to this one. So... Um, if you are familiar with uh, Chris Dancy, a friend of the show, um, he, I assume he submitted, I can't, I don't know if, oh yeah, yeah, he, he did say he submitted this. So if you've ever seen him talk about how he organizes his life, he's now made it public and, and created a website around what he calls his care table. And um, this thing is just ridiculous how much is in here. Um, just the amount of hours to create this, I can't imagine, but definitely worth checking out. I am not built to to track my life the way that he does, um, but it's cool to see somebody do it. <laughs> I will not be following in his footsteps on this front. <laughs> He's the most connected man in the world. I thought it meant that he knew the most people. He was connected to the most people. What it meant is he's the most connected to technology at all yeah. seconds of the day. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So this thing is pretty intense. And, and so I got to imagine that, that there's got to be a special category for this. <clears throat> Has, someone's got to create a reality show with him. He, yeah. was, on a, he was on a Netflix show. Oh, he was? Um, yeah, he, I think he did have a documentary about him. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I got, what? I got to see this. It was really cool. Um, I'll see oh. if I can find it. Oh, cool. Thank yeah. you. So there's that. So yeah, they. I think they said they received hundreds of of submissions, uh, over a hundred. So a lot to go through. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they judge them and and do that. So we'll definitely review them, uh, assuming they come out this week. So next week we'll we'll be talking about uh, showcasing some some interfaces built by the community. 150, Jen says. Jen yeah. says she submitted one too. Oh, now I got to put my chips half on Allie, half on Jen. I want to, I'm going to hedge my bets. <laughs> we could both win. There's three, so three times. Three, three categories. Totally. And then isn't there a special category? Isn't there like a, I think there's a fourth one, like judges choice or something. Oh, really? Awesome. I can't remember. Yeah. Like an open one. So. All right, so that'll be cool to go through. Um, okay, I'm gonna save our other articles. There's a couple other things worth bringing up. We'll save those for another show. Um, but uh, Jen, I think you're you're selling yourself short. I think you'll do well. Um, so we'll move on. Let's talk about uh, quick spotlight on Ontoair. Ontoair is an all-in-one toolkit to run your business on Airtable. Um, I wish that today I could be showcasing a live version of our new Ontario forms. I've been um, I've been sneak peeking it on the last uh, the last season, and I thought that with a with a month off that we would be able to get it out the door. Like always, there's always uh, unknown issues that come up. We had some. Um, database structural issues that just needed to be addressed. And so we completely rebuilt the, the database. Nobody's ever done that before that is in the Airtable world. Um, so there was definitely a delay. That was at least a two or three week delay on getting it out the door, but it is close. We're in final um, testing mode where we're QAing it right now. And we kind of put a halt on feature development so that we could get it out there we did pull back some features that are close to finishing, but we want to get something out there. So we were rolling it out um, in the coming weeks to uh, limited um, use. So if you want to be one of the early testers, Jen, I see you, I hear you, um, get on our list and we'll get you access to it in the next week or two once we, once we squash some of the bugs. But I'll do a quick um, briefing on what it kind of will look like. So this is our builder interface and allows you to um, both create records or update existing records. And we have all of the fields supported. There are some, some Airtable fields that don't quite work well within the Airtable environment. Um, but because of that, we have the ability to um, create some custom fields, which is what I wanted to show you. So you can add any of the Airtable fields that are in your base um, or in your table, or you can create custom fields. So we have static text, 
dividers or we have the ability to create a custom formula. The cool thing about this is this formula will update live. So as you're updating the data in your form, it will update on the form itself instead of a formula in Airtable doesn't, you know, you'd have to update your form to get the updated version of the formula. So we wanted to make sure that we have that ability so you can have like a running total. Um, we actually, the it supports Excel-like functions or formulas. And so anything, any formula that's in Excel um, is built into our formula engine. So it doesn't work exactly like uh, Airtable's formulas, but it actually has more advanced um, formula functionality. Um, so that is cool. Uh, lots of other things, the ability to um, work on linked records. So if you have a linked records, you can actually create the subforms to manage the fields inside of the linked record. So you can update or create linked records inside that form that you're working on. And so you can actually create a form inside of a form for those linked records. And you can go as many layers as you want. So you can have linked records inside of linked records. And it's essentially um, completely customizable to go as deep as you want. So very cool functionality. Very excited to get this out the door. Um, there are a couple things that won't be there at launch, but will be there shortly after. Um, and we have big plans for the future of making this. Our goal is to make this the standard form solution for working with Airtable. So hopefully that will come to pass. So get on our, our list, reach out to us. We'll get you in as early access as, as we can on that in the coming weeks. Dan, this looks awesome. Thank you. It uh, has been a labor of love. This is what I spent almost every waking hour of August working on this and um, excited to get people using it. I love it. Can I ask a question about that real quick? What you just showed? Yep. yep. With the formulas, I love that the it's actually creating the formulas in your product itself without modifying the Airtable base. Does it do the same thing with the linked records? Can you be like adding linked records and not until you save it, does it affect Airtable? That's funny that you asked that. Um, we actually went back and forth and I was debating on the approach to take. And so it sounds like you're arguing against what we decided. <laughs> so uh, actually our first version was it didn't create it until after uh, the, the form was submitted. But the issue there is like, because we do still support lookup fields. And so when you edit, um, so we switched mm -hmm. it to saving it as you're done creating or editing the linked record. Mm -hmm. And what I was thinking of doing was down the road is making that configurable where it could work either way. Mm -hmm. But we were thinking the default and we looked at, you know, alternative solutions and we felt the default should be creating it right away instead of on the fly or at the end. But we could potentially add that as like a configuration option where you say don't save until you submit the form. Um, right. So that's something we could consider for the future. Very cool. I guess if somebody added a form, yeah, or added a line item and then deleted the line item, um, it would just sort of be orphaned behind an Airtable, right? That's what the other form solutions yeah. do also. What's that? Yeah, so it's not a, um, we're, people are already dealing with that, but it's, you're dealing with the limitations of Airtable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I totally but but we do have the ability to uh, 
team creating on the fly, Melanie says. So, <laughs> so we've got both and we went back and forth and, and debated that, um, and, and decided to do this, but it, it we can awesome. do it the other way. Cause it actually used to work that way originally. Um, this is awesome. Yeah. So that's super cool. Yeah. There's, I think there's pros and cons to both approaches Yeah. for sure. But. Yeah, but the ability like link records, so it's it's similar. If you've used our job form solution, one of the cool things is like the ability to filter via the URL, um, the uh, the parameters um, uh, or what fields you can see in a linked record. So you can actually have dynamic filters from the URL or from other field dependencies. So you can filter records that that you can select in a linked record based off of what you type in a single select field or for example um so yeah our linked record is very advanced based off of what we've learned from our from our original version of, of building some of this inside a job form this is so great yeah super exciting. good stuff coming excited to get this out there <clears throat> All right, let's move on. Scott, if you want to share your screen, we'll walk through yeah. a field focus, and do some cool uh, progress bars. All right. Okay. There we go. You're up. You can see it? Okay, perfect. I cannot see the comments, so let me know if there's anything I need to know. Um, I also can't see your facial reaction, so I don't know if you're frowning or smiling. <laughs> I'm smiling. This looks great. Oh, you're okay, good, good, good. <laughs> um, the, um, so basically, one of the things that Airtable doesn't natively offer is uh, progress bars. You see that in some of the other cloud-based uh, database apps. Uh, but the cool thing is you can actually create progress bars in Airtable uh, that are formula based and they use emojis uh, to create beautiful progress bars like this. And it's very, very simple to create. Oh, and one thing I do want to mention though, is that these will not look uh, right in Safari. I don't know whether it's an Airtable issue or a Safari issue. Um, I'm going to email Airtable about it. Um, but so I'm using Chrome. So this looks perfect in Chrome, but it doesn't look good in Safari. And so basically, I'm going to go into this formula here. Well, actually, first I should explain what we've got here is we've got 10 different projects listed here. And then I've got a progress bar here based on this number field. So I've numbered these projects 1 through 10 to indicate that there is uh, a progress to every project. 1 means you've just started the project. You're only 10% of the way through it. And when you reach the number 10, you've actually completed the project. You've gotten to 100% and your progress bar goes from being a red progress bar to a green progress bar. And it shows you here what the percentages are along the way. And so to do this with the formula field, it's super easy. You just need to use the repetition function. And so the repetition function in Airtable will take anything that you give it and it will repeat it by the, uh, the number of times that you tell it to repeat. So in this case here, I'm telling it that if the number that I specified is the number 10, I'm just taking 10 as the 100% as the number, but you can make this whatever number you want. 
So if the number is 10, I'm telling it to, to repeat this green emoji box and repeat it that many times. I actually could also hard code the number 10 in there as well um, if I wanted to. Um, so that's what it's going to do when the number actually reaches 10. But if it doesn't, if, if my number hasn't yet reached 10, then what I want to do is I want to repeat the red emoji to indicate that we haven't finished the project yet. And I want to repeat it the number of times that I've actually specified. So the reason I chose 10 is because it's easily divisible and it's really easy to see uh, the difference between those numbers. The other thing is if you choose a number that's like too high, like 100, for example, um, your bar is going to be really, really, really wide. And if you choose, because it's going to be repeating those emojis up to 100 times. And if you make the number too small, like only up to like three, your bar is going to be too small uh, to really see effectively, to see the differences. So I like to choose the number 10. Um, and then uh, at the end of this formula, I like to add in a little percentage uh, thing here so you can actually see what the percentage is. So this is just simple math. I just uh, rounded the number, divided by 10, and then multiplied it by 100, added a percentage. So that's just basic math there. And then this is what you get. So if you change this to the number 7, for example, uh, that formula will automatically update this to 70%. And it's giving seven red emojis there. And then if I type in the number 10 here, because this project has reached completion, it will give me 10 green emojis and it'll say 100%. So another way that you could do this is with a dropdown list here. So let's say um, you've got all these different things that you need to do whenever you get a new project. And um, just for simplicity, I just made 10 here. And and let's say that you actually have to go through this order from start to finish. Um, and so if you go from the first one to the second one, you're actually 20% through. And if you're in the third one, you're 30% through. Well, you can make it where you can change this. And if I change this to the second step, the second step out of 10 here, you'll notice that this progress bar just changed to 20%. And then for this project, let's say we've gone through all these different stages and now we're on this stage, which I think is the seventh, yeah, this is the seventh. If I choose this, now it's 70%. Um, and then if we get to the final stage, the project is now completed. It will move this to 100%. Oh, did I do that wrong? It should be, that actually should be green there. That's where the other one is. Yeah. Um, let me see. Oh, I probably did. Who knows what I did wrong? Let's see. So the way that this actually works is I have a hidden formula field that actually comes up with the number. So I've assigned each one of these choices mm -hmm. um, a certain number. And so in, in essence, it's mimicking what we saw in that very first column, one through 10. So each one of these gets a different thing. So for project completed, I chose 10. I wonder, let me see. I think that's a bug. A bug? What happened here? Oh, you know what? Here's the problem. I'm referencing the old column here number yeah yep, mm. I chose the first column so there we go and now we have 100 percent here for this project and so that's how you would do that so behind the scenes i just sort of glossed over that but i used the switch function to assign a certain number between one and ten to each one of those those options
Similarly, you can also do it with roll-up fields, roll-up fields and linked records. So what I did was I also created a roll-up field here and you can make this roll-up field however you'd like. Um, you know, whether you want to count things or give you the maximum of values, you know, whatever you want. In my case, I just had it choose the maximum uh, number that I chose, and then it will automatically change the progress bar in the exact same way. So the progress bar is feeding from this field. So for example, let's say this project, I now have gone to the sixth phase, and I've linked it to six of these. This will change to 60%. And then if I add seven, now it'll show me 70%. And because I chose max, if I just jump all the way to number 10 here, this will change to 100%. And it looks like I probably have the same bug here. So <laughs> number roll up. Yep. And now we got that in green. So that is how you can get very, very cool and fancy looking progress bars uh, in Airtable. So I'll stop my screen for a sec so I can see you guys. Love it. That's, that's a great technique. And you can see very easily how you can expand and like just customize it for your needs. There's so many ways to go about doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I love you showed three examples too. That's great. Yeah. Thank you Good so stuff. Much. Yeah. Very useful. It really makes the, the base come to life. Um, and I imagine that those also work in interface designer where mm -hmm. you can display those. So I like yeah. to make a roll up or yeah, a roll up of all of those and separate them with a new line and it kind of turns into like a chart. So it's like, yeah. it's a big block of like, if you have linked records, you can label each one and then it's the chart next to it. It looks really nice. Oh, nice, nice. I'd love to see that. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've got some comments. Uh, Kavan, you can put the switch inside the progress bar to have fewer formulas. You can also do it in a roll-up. We use a combination of count. I think that's what she's saying. Melanie, showcasing, you can do these everywhere. <laughs> oh, that's so you funny, Melanie. colors based off of the value. Absolutely. Yeah. I like that, that. Was a sh that was a shower moment for me, the changing of the colors. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Something else I've been doing is putting a a gray like having setting a, a full length and putting like the green and then gray for whatever's left oh and oh so that's awesome yeah it makes it look really nice i think it's there's so many cool things you can do it's so oh cool. that's so cool we, we airtable should offer the progress bar contest yeah. <laughs> <laughs> different ideas on how to do it maybe yeah maybe we'll do that we'll sponsor a <laughs> Very cool. All right, let's move on. Uh, Scott, we're going to stick with you and we're going to check out your reservation form. If you want to share your screen again. Yes, share my screen. Already. Let's see. Oops. All right. Can you see it okay? Yep. Okay, great. So this one's super, super simple. Um, this was based on a... Um, a post in the community forums from a long time ago. I think it was maybe a year ago. And I felt like it didn't get as much attention as it could have, because I think that a lot of people actually could benefit from this. Um, and the idea is giving a form, giving people an Airtable form where they can choose from your available appointments 
that are available on your calendar. And then when somebody books an appointment with you for that time slot, then that option disappears. Sort of like Calendly. Uh, if you do a search for the forums on Calendly, you'll probably find this post. Um, because Calendly, if somebody books you in a time slot, the next person that comes around can no longer book that time slot anymore. And so it's really, really easy to set up. I just have this um, uh, table here called Calendar Bookings. And this is where the new bookings would come in from a form. And you can see if I switch to my form here, I have a very simple form here that says, please schedule an appointment with me. Ask for your name, your email, any notes. And then here is where the magic happens. This is where you get to choose a date and a time. So this is a linked record field that links to this table called available dates. And so the way that you actually um, would set this up is you actually have to manually come in here so this is a little different than Calendly because you have to manually manage this and you would add all the times that you are currently available to be booked for an appointment. So let's say I want to add a time here on the 22nd of September and you know I want to make this 12.30 p.m. So now I have seven different times that I've specified that I'm available. And what I've done here is I've created another view that's called Not Yet Booked. And this view is set to filter these records to only show me uh, records where the calendar bookings, the linked record field, is empty. Meaning that these records have not yet been linked to any records that are on this table here. So it's this field right here. This is the linked record field on this end. It's the date selected. And uh, then on this side, it's calendar bookings. And so the key thing, this right here is the whole trick. What you do is when you go in here to set up your linked record field, you just use this toggle to limit the record selection to a view. And so you'll want this to limit your record selection to that view not yet booked. So it will only show the options that have not yet been booked. So to see this in a form view, we'll go back to our form view here and we'll open up the form and we will say that John Smith is coming in here and he's filling out the form and here's his notes. And now when he clicks on this here, he sees all seven of these options. So he's going to choose September 15th at 10.30 a.m. And here's the cool new thing. It shows Eastern Daylight Time here, which is nice if you enable that in the field. So there's no confusion anymore about what time zone you're choosing. Um, so he's going to choose 10.30 a.m. on the 15th and he's gonna submit that record. And now when we go back here to our database, or to our grid view, I mean, um, here's the new record that was just added. He's been linked to this particular date. And so now if we go here, we will see that on our filtered view here, there's only six records remaining. It's no longer a possibility because if we go to our normal grid view, we see that it's already been booked with John Smith. So the next person that comes around and submits a response, the next person will come here. And when they click on this button, 10.30 a.m. on the 15th is no longer there. So as long as you set up your available times ahead of time, then those options will disappear from this list as people book it throughout the day. I have uh, a couple of clients that are actually doing this in a completely different way, which is that they want these records to show up 
until a certain number of, of people have signed up for that time slot. So like for a class, for example. And so you could do that as well. You would just change the filter on that one view to remove those items from, the, uh, from that filtered view once a certain number of signups have, been, have signed up for that particular uh, for that particular time slot. Yeah. And that's it on that. That's awesome. That, <laughs> that's really cool. If there was a way to where it could like tap into your actual calendar so that it knew what days, like that's like the one missing link of why you need some of these external tools. But for like a class or something that doesn't need that, I think it works well. Yeah. And there's stuff. also, yeah. And the other thing is if two people are booking the same time slot at the exact same time, it's not going to yeah. stop it from happening. Right. Like right. Calendly will alert you and say, Oh, someone just booked <clears throat> that while you were, while you were dilly dallying around. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. There's some nuances there. So, yeah. all right. Thank you, Scott. We're going to move on. Give time for uh, Ali to wrap us up here. If you want to get ready, Ali, real I'm quick, I'll give a shout out to uh, Built on Air, our community. If you're not already in our Slack group, we want you in there. Uh, Scott and Ali and many others are there. We have over thousands of Airtable fans and users, and we hope to have you join us. Uh, so go to builtonair.com slash join. That'll get you access into our Slack community and access to all these amazing people that are there. I have to quit and come back. I will be right back. Okay. <laughs> No, you're good. So yeah, so we um, thank you. Come on, we've got a couple uh, comments coming on that we'll share um, from Jen. <clears throat> she says, "I need to say, Client X should only be allowed to schedule schedule X appointments in a week." Is that doable, Scott? It's mm, a good question. Is it doable? I wonder if Jen's giving us a test question that she knows the answer <laughs> to, or if this is not yet possible. Should only be allowed. Hmm. You can't really filter based off of a individual user, right? So I don't think yeah. that that would be possible. Um, Maybe with uh, a future version of onto air forms. Yeah, possibly. We might get there. Um, now he just you. Yeah, very much. Thank nice you. Demo. <clears throat> yeah yeah i don't think filtering count she says calendly only lets you show uh say number of types of sessions per day kavan mm. uh let the client schedule appointment and then have an automation yeah so you could right. do it after the fact with an automation right right oh yeah that's a great idea then send the email to the client letting them know that their yeah. appointment was canceled yeah yeah. All right. There you are, Ali. Hi. All right. Sorry. Difficulties. Um, all right. So this is something pretty simple. I think we can cover this in four minutes. Um, I've got here a base I use for demos pretty often. Um, it's pretty involved with lots of different tables. And I've got company vehicles that are being, you know, um, tracked as to what their purpose is and the plate number, etc. Um, but let's say I need to sync this out to another base um, for any number of reasons. Like maybe I want to just show only the vehicles and locations to 
other employees, like I could embed that on my intranet or whatever that use case might be. Um, so if I have both of these tables, company vehicles and locations synced into a different base, um, that's where we're gonna start off this use case. So in the base here, if I unhide in the source base, I should say, uh, actually vehicles, yeah. So I have this linked record field called via, uh, vehicles, which is linking to my company vehicles table. However, in the synced base, these, these two tables are no longer linked together. And if I want to get any fancier with this and actually you know, have these records communicate to the location that they're linked to, I want to make sure that they are actually physically linked together in Airtable. And after a lot of trial and error and like different approaches, this is a way that I've kind of settled on doing this. So I've synced over the record ID from the source base of each location record. Um, and then in the source base on the company vehicles table, I have, this is a roll up, but essentially this is the same output as what a lookup would give you, but it's a string by default. So this is just my little technique of pulling something over instead of using a lookup. But I've got that location record ID on both of the synced views that I'm sending over to that other base. And so if I want to link this to locations, I obviously can't use this record ID anymore because the locations table now has a new set of record IDs. Like if I were to actually use the record ID function in a formula here, um, you can see these are different values. So it's not super helpful. I can't now copy that on, on this table and paste it into here to have that same functionality. But what I can do is, and this is where my little trick comes into play. I'm gonna add a rollup field and I could do this, I could add a lookup and then a formula, but I like to use a rollup to kind of reduce the number of fields. Uh, Kuvan pointed out something about this earlier in the show. Um, I'm gonna point it at that location record ID. And then I'm gonna say, all right, if I know the location record ID that this should be tied to, that this vehicle row should be tied to. So other, in other words, if I have a value in this field, location record ID, um, then I wanna make sure that I'm linked to the same value in the other table. So I wanna say if, I'm gonna just type that big, long, ugly formula again, values does not equal location record ID, then I know I want to and I like to use a little lightning bolt just to make it look pretty. Update location link. Right. And then same thing here. I'm just gonna write that here. So all of these of course are triggering, right? Um, now if I go set up, or they would be triggering if I had an automation on, I'm just gonna quickly set one up um, from the company vehicles table my condition is going to be when that field is not empty. So when my location link is not empty, I'll just grab any record for that. 
then I want to go add a find record step when I want to search my locations table based on a condition. And that condition is going to be where location record ID from the source base matches the location record ID on the company vehicle stable from the source base. So when I test this, it should find me. Oh, interesting. <laughs> it should, well, let's see. Do, do, do. Let's find another one quickly. There we go. And so this is actually interesting. So I'm, I've actually, one part that I was going to say is instead of just adding another action below here to then update the record, I'm actually gonna add it as a conditional action. And I'm gonna say only do this if the length of find records is greater than zero. That was weird. Mm. Then I want to update the company vehicles table, the same record that triggered the automation. And I wanna update the link of the location with the record ID of the location I found. And the reason I'm doing this conditionally is because if nothing was found, um, then sometimes it can cause errors depending on if you're doing any other things with this automation. Um, so I don't like to get a million emails in the middle of the night saying that something <laughs> failed if I don't yeah. really care about it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. That is the, that's the trick. So I updated that record and now we have that one vehicle linked. Um, and that would just stay on. So if, if for whatever reason now that vehicle in the source base, if I changed that location, right, then this would change the source from the source base, the record ID of the location it's linked to, and then this would get triggered again. So it would link it back up appropriately. It keeps it in sync always. Awesome. That is awesome. That's that really cool. That solves a major limitation with syncing. That is yeah. It's been a long time. I used to do it all based on the name. And that if like we would change if we had a primary field that was had a formula and we decided to reconfigure that, then it triggers that automation over and over and over and over again. Uh, even though they don't even need to be changed, right? They're still linked appropriately. But the automation thought they weren't, and then it got all screwed up. So if you go with the record ID, it doesn't matter what the name is. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's very cool. So yeah, so basically carrying forward your linked relationships in a synced table, um, that's a must-have for a lot of use cases. Right. I should Thank say that it works with a one-to-one. You you would need to use a script to kind of loop through if you had a one or many to many, you know, because you can't say if this list of record IDs equals this list, they might all contain the same ones, but they might not be in the same order. Mm. There's, there's a lot of idiosyncrasies with that. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you, Ali, Scott. Thank you thank for coming you, back on. Always glad to have you with us. Thank you, Dan. We we are excited for another season to be with you. Uh, tell your friends, watch us on YouTube, join our community, and we will see you next week. See everybody. Bye.
Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, ontair.com. And we will see you next time on the Built On Air podcast.